Darren. Oh, oh, it's Andrew. Right, Hello, it says you're you Ash. You know, can hear you me? I can hear you. How are you doing? I like your hat. Cheers, yes. Uh, I'm taking it off for a bit. Um, can can you hear me and can you see me? Am I on screen? I can hear you. Yes, I can hear you fine. I was just waiting to see if I could hear any echo when I speak to you because you don't have headphones on, do you? But I think it's all right even without them. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, my name is Ash, but yep. that's that's okay. It will be today. So, Ash or Andrew Collins, as your pseudonym is, um, yep. tell us a little bit about your your background, science, history, writing, all all the stuff. Well, um, I've just come back from uh, Awakening Expo at Blackpool in the north of England, which is the largest uh, consciousness, UFO, ancient mysteries um event in europe this year uh, where i was a keynote speaker there alongside eric von danik and uh, Giorgio from ancient aliens and various of my colleagues um that was an incredible hit um and so yeah back in essex now which is where i live just outside of london um and i think we're going to talk about what ufos are and how we are looking at them slightly differently today. I think that's probably where we're going here. We'll go wherever you want it to go, wherever you think these lovely listeners will be most intrigued and excited. But we can talk yeah. about what, what UFOs are. I mean, what are you? Because I've, I've noticed a change in the people are saying UAPs nowadays, aren't they? Is that the same yeah. thing? Well, I mean, the term UAP is something which both the US government and the US military have decided to, you know, rename, rebrand UFOs simply because there's such a stigma uh, associated with the term flying saucers or UFOs. And, you know, literally there is. Of course there is. I mean, people just laugh at you if you say that, you know, you are interested in that subject. Um, so the US military realised that, you know, there's, there's a problem there. I mean, these things are being seen by uh, US uh, Navy uh, personnel, military personnel, you know, every week, I, arguably every day, you know, off mm. of aircraft carriers, warships, things like that, you know, as well as by pilots in the sky, you know, in, in, in you know, jet fighters and things like that. And they know that it's something they've got to investigate. Obviously, they, they've had various um, different uh, projects that uh, have you know, of, of, of they've undertaken and have been completed. Um, and, you know, the, 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 you know the, the vibe, the ripple that's coming out of the press releases that they're giving is that they don't know what they are. I mean, these things are invading our airspace. They clearly have been doing that for a, a very long time. Um, and we need to know what they are. And yeah. there is no evidence at all that they are, uh, coming from some military power, you know, Russia, China, North Korea, uh, or anywhere like that. Um, so if they're not coming from from another, um, you know, power, then they are other. They are something else. So we need to know what that something else is. And, I mean, quite clearly, everybody, if you've mentioned UFOs, the first thing people think about is that you're talking about you know, alien spaceships made of nuts and bolts that, you know, are coming here from a, a, another planet, another star system. Um, and some may well be. I mean, as, as early as 1963, Carl Sagan, the great cosmologist and astronomer, 
um, wrote a paper saying that it was inevitable that humanity had been visited on countless occasions by extraterrestrials, you know, during the course of its history. Um, I mean, you know, he even suggested looking in Sumerian texts for evidence of this. And yet, unfortunately, when he joined NASA as a consultant, they basically turned around to him and said, look, you know, all this UFO alien stuff, you, you've got to keep it to yourself. You know, we cannot have you talking about this publicly. So he dropped it. And most people think that Carl Sagan did not believe in, in UFOs and aliens, but he did. I mean, he absolutely did. But he had to drop it if he wanted to work with NASA. And this has been the problem. I mean, obviously, NASA as a national organization in America has tried desperately for the last, you know, 50, 60 years to suppress uh, any knowledge to do with UFOs. But the US military are clearly thinking differently now. They're saying, you know, are these objects a threat to aircraft, um, you know, a threat to uh, the national security of a country? You know, obviously the US primarily. Uh, and if they are, we need to know what they are. But then, of course, you, you start thinking in terms of um, disclosure, whistleblowers, you know, underground bases working with aliens, Roswell, Area 51. And the whole thing starts getting very muddied very quickly as to what's going on. And I mean, I've been investigating UFOs for as much as 40 years. And I came to the conclusion very quickly, very early on, that it wasn't simply a case of nuts and bolts spacecraft coming down here, landing, and then going back to where they come. It's not as easy as that. There's something far more complex involved. And that this phenomena has been with us in one form or another for many thousands of years. Um, so you have to start looking at other alternatives as to what they are. As I said, we're not dissing the high, the idea that, we're, that we might be dealing with some physical aliens, but there's something else going on. And many of the UFOs that appear just appear out of nowhere, just, just manifest. And they're there for a, a period of time, could be minutes, you know, maybe as much as an hour, maybe more. Um, and then they seem to disappear and vanish. Most of them are made of you know, light, solid light of some description, whether it be, you know, white or some other color. It can be groups of lights. It can move around. It can, um, you know, make these incredible maneuvers. Um, and it can be seen during the day and, and, and look very physical in nature, as, as we all know from those great U.S. Navy videos that we've seen in recent years. But what are they? I mean, you know, and I, and and. The book that I've, I've just um, written and been published called Origins of the Gods, co-authored with my colleague Greg Little, is basically saying that, look, you know, yes, we understand that the aliens are out there. But is it possible that we're dealing with um, entities, dealing with beings that somehow coexist with us that are transdimensional in nature? In other words, you know, they operate on a multidimensional framework, which is beyond that of normal space time. Um, and that somehow they're able to use what we call UFOs um, to manifest into our world. So then you have to say to yourself, well, you know, what, what is a UFO if it's not made of nuts and bolts? Well, we think that the main constituent of them 
the main stuff that's used to create them or in out of which they manifest is what's known as plasma. Plasma is known as the false state of matter. Um, we all know about the, the, the obvious three states. You've got solids, you've got liquids, and you've got gases. And all of them basically are, are related. But beyond uh, gases, you have plasma. And plasma is the full state of matter. And it's essentially electrons that have been released from atoms. You know, countless amounts of them. This happens in the Earth. It happens naturally. It's associated with what we call electricity or electromagnetic fields. And these electrons, once they are freed up, they surround themselves with uh, electromagnetic, self-generated electromagnetic fields. And they release photons of light. Photons are tiny particles of light. And each one bumps into each other, bumps into their, you know, it, it, it creates this chain reaction process. And suddenly, boom, it's like a light bulb appearing in front of you. And, you know, this, this is an object, an object of light. And... You know, it can be very small. Um, it can exist for only a microsecond or it can be much harder, much solid, much more solid. And plasma itself is behind everything from lightning to the, you know, the, the, the source of the sun, the light of the sun to black holes, stars. In fact, most of the, the universe is actually made up of plasma um, and not physical matter or atomic matter. And so it. it it is integral to our understanding of, you know, life, not just out in the, the, the universe, but possibly manifesting in our own space time, which, remember, is three dimensions of space and one dimension of, um, of uh, yeah, three dimensions of space, one of time. But what uh, various theoretical physicists have suggested and proposed is that plasma itself has an extra dimension of space. So it has four dimensions of space as opposed to three. And if that's so, then it suddenly becomes possible that it is some kind of gateway or doorway or portal into a higher dimensional reality. In other words, there's a step-down process. Plasma can be used as a step-down process from a, from a multi-dimensional environment into a, a three-dimensional environment of space and one of time which is what we live in here in our physical world and the other important thing about plasma is that it was noticed a long time ago that it seems to come alive um, and theoretical physicist david bowen for instance um, who was american british and and brazilian uh, in nationality um, he came to the conclusion that intelligences from a deeper level of existence could occupy plasma once it was manifested and he believed that they came from something that he referred to as the implicate order something behind our own physical universe and that this implicate order his colleague basil highly referred to as the pre-space you know and it's what we would call a non-local medium some something that exists outside of, of normal space that energy um, and information and possibly even mass is able to be transferred so that, um, you know, it becomes like this sort of super highway outside of normal reality through which information uh, can be transferred. And that, that can be transferred through a process that's known as quantum entanglement. 
Quantum entanglement is the idea that particles can become twinned, they can become linked. And once they become linked, they, they, they always retain an instantaneous relationship between each other. And this is happening all the time, all around us. You know, whole systems of entangled particles. It might be behind everything from black holes, wormholes, um, to different systems to do with the way that birds fly and animals, um, you know, are able to navigate. Plus, it becomes possible that it is also behind what we call telepathy, mind over matter, and possibly even precognition. And yeah. once you realize that, the idea of communicating with UFOs, with objects that you see, becomes very possible. In other words, it's possible that what we know as UFOs, or some of them at least, are plasma objects, what they call plasmoids or plasma constructs, and that we link in mind with them, we can connect with them, we can have um, almost like a communion or relationship with them once we actually connect with them in mind. And, you know, this is just the start of some of the ideas that we're looking at, you know, in this new mm. book, Origins of the Gods. Um, and it's taken off massively. I mean, the the foreword is written by Eric von Daniken himself, whose book, Chariots of the Gods, you know, about the whole concept of was God an astronaut and whatever, kick-started a lot of this back in the late 60s. Um, you know, my colleague Robert Temple, the author of The, the Serious Mystery, uh, he's got a book out called New Science of Heaven, which is, again, all about plasma being being alive and intelligent. And there's no question that plasma and the idea of trans-dimensional beings um, having some connection with us and possibly explaining some connection with, with, with aliens is something which is almost like the next stage in our understanding of of, of the communion with higher intelligence. Mm. So do you have, I mean, it's speculation, isn't it? Is the idea just to, because a lot of that's new and interesting stuff for me, so I'm trying to get my head around it. Is it that we're, we're and I'm going to say it in very layman's terms, a, potentially aliens or whatever from another dimension are using plasma. I can hear people going, no, you idiot, you're not getting it right. Um, using plasma, almost as, as you say, like a highway. Um, and they're sort of popping in here, taking a quick look. What do you think they're doing? Well, I, I think that they've been with us, if you like, since the beginning. I mean, probably since the beginning of humanity in Africa a couple of million years ago. Mm. Um, I mean, I in the book, I, I cover a site called the Kezem Cave in Israel. And why is this important? Well, people were living there 400,000 years ago, down to about 200,000 years ago. And they invented shamanism. This, the oldest shamanism in the world is found in this cave. Now, what shamanism? Shamanism is the idea that you know special people can go into a trance state or an altered state of consciousness, you know, using one or other method, and enter into otherworldly realms and communicate with the 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 beings, the intelligences, the consciousness in those other realms, and that they can then pull back information into the world in which they live. And the Kezem Cave people were doing this, as, you know, as much as 400,000 years ago. Now, that's interesting in itself and was enough to get me to drop everything and go over to Israel in 2019 when this was announced. But what's more important is that at the same time, those Kezem people were becoming the smartest people on the planet. So many firsts for humanity 
mm. are being credited now to those you know those, those those people i mean for instance they had the earliest form of what is being referred to as canned food you know um food that, that is quickly sort of like stored so you can use it you know at a later date and this took the form of like um deer bones inside which you've got marrow and they were able to pack them in a certain way and throw them in their backpack so that they could use them as an easy meal you know for, for, for many weeks you know after the the, the, mm. the deer or the animal had been killed the earliest freezing of food you know they were able to use ash in a certain way to be able to preserve food yeah you know, for a long period of time the earliest production of, of certain types of stone tools the earliest what they even referred to as a school of rock which is basically that there was a school within this this large cave um where pupils would come and learn how to uh, you know to, to manufacture these these beautiful stone tools and that there are places all around the cave centered around a hearth that were all designated for different purposes whether it be religious whether it be material whether it be teaching or whatever and i mean this doesn't sound like you know rock and roll to us but for humanity these people were getting so far advanced that you have to say to yourself well surely this has got some connection with the fact that they're also at the same time writing the the textbook on shamanism you know so that's interesting so in other words during the communications were they connected with other worldly intelligences and if they were who were they well on the horizon from kezem is a mountain that features very heavily in the bible the early stages of the bible as the dwelling place of god and all the early patriarchs were there that's you know the, the place that they they went to and lived around it's called mount gerizim and the thing is that it's said that god manifested on this mountain in the form of the Shekinah. The Shekinah means presence of God, but it's generally interpreted as meaning like light, you know, like blinding light, you know, just like he did on Mount Sinai for Moses much later. Hmm. And that, um, that, you know, and I thought, well, this is weird. I mean, you know, so I looked into this mountain more and I found that those mysterious lights, you know, that could have been interpreted as a manifestation of some kind of God, you know, I Yahweh himself, are still seen, seen there today. And I actually went to the mountain. I climbed it, and there's a religious community that live at the top of it called the Samaritans. You know, no connection with the people that you ask for help if you've got a problem. And these people claim to be the, the, the true um, descendants of the Israelites, the early Israelites. And I went up to the one of the high priests and talked to him about you know the mysteries of Mount Gerizim, and I said to him, you know, are these lights seen still today? And he said, yeah, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. I said, well, how are they interpreted? And, th and the word he used was malak, which is an Arabic word, and it means angel. So what we call UFOs or UFA, UAPs today, these this religious community to this day refer to these lights these mysterious objects that are seen as manifestations of god's messengers angels and i find this so incredible when you think of people like eric von daniken writing chariots of the gods in the late 60s and suggesting that in the past you know the ancients the people of the bible or whatever saw you know ufos as angels or you know manifestations of god or whatever this is still going on today. This is the same phenomena. But 
can we dare to suggest that this type of phenomena was going on in connection with this mountain as much as 400,000 years ago mm. and that the Kezem people connected with it and were in touch with the intelligences associated with these lights? I think the answer is yes. I think that they knew that these lights were there. They would go to the mountain. We know that they went there to get a special type of flint that they took away to make stone tools. So we know that they had an interest in this mountain. And we know that there are holy mountains all the way around the world where UFOs, mysterious lights, UAPs appear on a regular basis, like Mount Shasta in California, um, Mount Athos in Greece, uh, various places in China like Taishan, which I was at a few years ago. I talk about that in the book. You know, these are the places that manifest these lights more easily. And place is very important because you're dealing with what you what we now call today portals, portal locations. What is a portal location? It's somewhere where UFOs, paranormal activity, maybe cryptids as well, appear on a regular basis. All of these things are interlinked. And the geology of a location would seem to be important. It's very intense. It produces these, these fields of electrons that themselves produce something called ionization. And this is the correct environment to produce plasma. And the plasma then becomes the medium through which these intelligences are able to manifest and, and connect with this world. And once that link is there, I think, people are able to continue this communion with these intelligences, just as they are with alien abductions today, using um, altered states of consciousness, shamanism, um, you know, psychic communications. And the, mm -hmm. I think the Kezem people, that's exactly what they were doing. And the knowledge they have to move forward and become the smartest people on the planet is because of this communication with these trans-dimensional intelligences. It's fascinating. And um, uh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm echoing now, aren't I? I wasn't before. But thank you very much for that. Where can people find your stuff? Um, well, if you're interested in what I'm talking about, andrewcollins.com, uh, there is a breakdown of, of all of this research in the book, Origins of the Gods. Um, and very clearly, and that's on andrewcollins.com. I mean, clear, clear if you want the book, um, it's on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Uh, there's a foreword by Eric von Daniken who 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 is acknowledging that the ufo phenomenon needs to be taken on to the next stage if we truly are to understand what it is all right it's perfect thank you so much for coming on it's all fascinating andrew you've got a great name as well andrew and uh <laughs> thank you yeah have a lovely yeah. evening thank right, you thank you so, someone will bump you off now i think i don't okay, know well, they can and try. if not <laughs> If not, we'll just continue talking until they oh, do. Oh, I right. You, you well, I don't know. After somebody going to be knocking at the front door. No, they're not going to come. No, no, and, we um, can talk as much as you want. Um, they're not going to assassinate you. No, right. Well, uh, I wouldn't have thought so, not for UFO research. Yeah, where are they, though? Because they're supposed to have Addy ads on now. Right. I don't know. Sean must be in the toilet or something. Okay. Who knows? More information, well, but never mind. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know where he is. <laughs> I've got no idea where the, where the boy... Well, ask me one more it. question. I mean, there must be some strange things being said in the... Well, they're not saying it. I mean, look, I guess because they they trust me to... Uh, oh, the right they thing. The Asans were the first to follow the way of Yeshua by Bunny. <laughs> no idea what that means. 
And um, Nexus MI says, God is an inter interdimensional being. Is he slash she slash it not? Well, I, I mean, I, I mean, in short, I mean, when Moses was on the top of Mount Sinai, he communicated with God in the form of what they referred to as a terrifying fire or a devouring fire. Yeah. And it was in this form that he supposedly gained the, the, the tablets of the law, you know, the Ten Commandments. But in addition to that, he was given the specs to create the Ark of the Covenant directly from God. And God said, look, you know, make this and you can use this as a as a temporary vehicle for me to move around whilst the Israelites are in the wilderness of Sinai. So he makes this box and, you know, the, the, the God appears over the top of it in this form as the Shekinah. And obviously it's a very dangerous thing. People cannot go up and touch it. It has to be kept in this special tent called the tabernacle. Um, but, I mean, what's so important about that is that this information is coming directly from God. This is technology. This, you know, th this entity in the form of light is saying, look, this is how you can communicate with me on a regular basis. I mean, I find that incredible that, yeah, the Ark of the Covenant could be a piece of, you know, transdimensional intelligence technology. I mean, that to me, I find really, really interesting. And I think that this is something that has been going on since at least the time of the Kezem K 400,000 years ago. And it's probably going on today. I, I think that there are probably a number of companies and think tanks that know that these, these entities exist and deliberately try to communicate with them to get the next big thing, you know, whether it be artificial intelligence, you know, nanotechnology, uh, consciousness mm. research, whatever. They know that they are there. And they deliberately work with psychics to try and communicate with these entities. Wow, that is fascinating. Is Sean there yet? Might not be. Because <laughs> I do have another. Oh, of course he is. He's there. Shawnee boy, right. Well, then I can say, I can bid you good evening. On the show, if you, if you were around or something. Right, well. Okay, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, it was a pleasure. Uh, Sean, thank you everybody him... for listening, and thank you for the comments on the side, which seem to give me the thumbs up, so thank you for that. Yeah, they love you. They love you. So, uh, but as, as I said, you know, if you're interested in anything I've said, go on to AndrewCollins.com. Uh, there's a you know, breakdown of, of the book, breakdown of its contents, um, and loads and loads of articles, which I think you'll find of interest.